You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum for your film breakdown New York Giants show part of the SB Nation radio network. Today's episode we are going to be discussing the implications of news surrounding Daniel Jones's injury as well as analyzing the film from the victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. We're not going to go as in-depth as we typically do because of the importance surrounding the issue with Daniel Jones's injury. So getting right to the important thing, the thing that I believe everybody is more interested in talking about is Daniel Jones leaving the game early and being considered possibly day-to-day after the game on Monday when we're recording this Around 3 o'clock Eastern Time, things could possibly change, but the information that we are currently going off of uh, is coming from Jordan Ronan of ESPN. He says that the MRI on Daniel Jones showed a hamstring strain that is likely to force him to miss some time. Per source, the Giants should be able to know more later in the week when they get him moving around. So just going off of this... They probably told him just to stay on it, you know, stay off his feet. Don't move around a whole lot. We're not going to throw you out there into practice. We don't want to rush this. And when this says it's going to force him to miss time, I'm just off of the the background of having dealt with hamstring injuries and just dealing with a simple strain, which is what it looked like. He's probably going to miss one to two games at the minimum, which is going to be against the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Hamstrings are not something that are to be played around with, so I'm sure that they're going to take this very cautiously with the more important games coming up in the final three weeks uh, at the very end of the year. Yeah, yeah, hamstrings are tricky, and I I don't want to speculate as to the severity of the injury. You know, the fact that he was you know, grabbing it and limping after a handoff and he couldn't drive off of that leg at all after he got up off the ground. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think this is, I should say, I get the feeling this is more than just a little tweak. This is going to take a little bit of time. And, you know, we've both had hamstring injuries. They're not something you can really push through. You know, you can be tough, but if your hamstring is hurt. Yeah, you know, it, it's hurt. You you have a hard time making your leg do the things it's supposed to do, and there's nothing for it but to just let it heal. 
And if you try to bull your way through it, be tough, there's a very good chance you could hurt it more. And with hamstrings, even if it feels better, it might not be healed all the way just yet. Uh, you know, going back a few years, that was what happened with Odell Beckham, his rookie year. You remember it took him basically the entire summer, all of training camp, all of the preseason, and then the first quarter of the regular season to overcome a pull, a pulled hamstring because it would feel better. They'd try to get him back out onto the practice field and he'd have a setback. And that's not what the Giants want to have happen with their quarterback. Yeah, the general information right now is basically also stating that Jones avoided a major injury. However, that does not imply that he is going to be available to play against the Seattle Seahawks. Just based on what we're going off of here, the assumption right now is that Colt McCoy is probably going to start. There is a very off chance that Jones might be available. Maybe he he tries to tough it out and he plays. But off of the assumption of what I think we need to prepare ourselves for is Colt McCoy, we're going to talk a little bit about what all of this stuff is going to mean, how things are going to look differently. The one thing I just want to wrap the, the point on the injury up with, you bring up a really interesting thought about how oftentimes with these hamstring injuries, and again, I suffered a similar hamstring injury during conditioning of my junior year. And the first few days, they told me to stay off my um, off my feet. It was a minor strain, which implies that you do actually tear some of the fibers in your hamstring. That implies that there's a chance that you could tear it further, so you stay off your feet. And then more often than not, you you have to then be cautious because more what will tend to happen is you'll start to feel fine after a few days or maybe a week. And then after you're feeling fine, you'll go back out there, you'll start running again, and then it starts to nag, you'll start to get tight and then possibly pull it again. So this is something that they're going to be super careful with. It's a more complicated injury than I think a lot of people are willing to consider. If you don't think this is complicated, then I would argue you don't really know a whole lot about uh, sports injuries and hamstrings in general. You've probably never pulled a hamstring, torn a hamstring, or, you know, maybe not even ever had hamstring doms from the gym. You know, it it's a muscle that it does connect over your hip. It goes over your knee. It's responsible for a lot, especially when you're moving around and, you know, just standing or sitting, it might feel okay. But the second you go to stretch it, you know, you bend over or you try to accelerate and run yet you will feel it. And we also actually have information in an article, um, really good quote here from Ed who put this article together. I just want to wrap it up with this. Uh, it says in here, Dr. Kyle Filk, an orthopedic surgeon uh, for Ortho New York in Albany, New York area, has um, has been the team doctor for several collegiate teams in minor league franchises. And his big warning that we're really putting out here, it can be nagging and it can be very easy to re-injure. So that's something that why we're talking about right now, why Colt McCoy is probably going to be the starting quarterback this upcoming weekend. I want to address the first implication of of possibly starting somebody else i know some people might be thinking like well well is there any chance that maybe they go and sign someone if you're asking yourself that question the answer is probably not they're going to go with a guy that has been here for the entirety of training camp throughout the most of the the season is familiar with the playbook they don't want to go and bring somebody in and then have to completely teach them the offense again 
and then go off of a guy that probably has a very small and limited playbook compared to Cole McCoy, who's completely familiar with it. The other thing, too, there's nobody available. I, I looked through the current list of available quarterbacks. There's just straight up, there's nobody worth signing. So Cole McCoy, 100%, is going to be the guy just based on easiest transition from your starter to your veteran backup. Yeah, there is the possibility the Giants could try to raid some other team's uh, practice squad. But then, you know, right now the NFL is kind of closed down for COVID testing and tracing. That's happening today as we're recording Monday and then on Tuesday. So that compresses the timeline for getting that guy off of another practice squad and in the building. And then you have to get him at least a little bit up to speed just in case, you know, the Giants do have Clayton Thorson on their own practice squad. I would expect them to elevate him to be the quarterback too. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, at least that we have seen as we're recording. But if Colt McCoy is their starter and Jones is out for this week, possibly next week, they're going to need a backup quarterback. You can't not have a backup quarterback. Uh, the Denver Broncos showed that pretty well this past week. Yeah, that was a, a, a f- the full extreme of not having a, p- a backup quarterback. They're probably going to have some workouts coming into this week, so expect to see that. That does also does not mean that they're going to sign that person to start. They're probably just going to be bringing them in so they have a viable backup. Maybe it's a young guy. Maybe it's a veteran. There's plenty of options out there that are suitable backups for, for this situation. I also want to address Chris what this means for the Giants' offense and the big things here, we are we we've seen a, a more of a transition to running the football over the last few weeks. But I can tell you right now, they are going to run it more than they've already been doing. There are going to be a ton of rushing attempts. I wouldn't be shocked over the next few games if there's 40 rushing attempts total by this Giants' offense. They're going to want to alleviate pressure from Colt McCoy, who's not exactly the most dynamic quarterback. And then a lot of what we saw when he went into the game against the Bengals was a ton of play action, a lot of really quick and short routes. It was a super altered offensive approach compared to when Daniel Jones was in. Everything is going to be not simplified, but better to suit his skill set. He is a, a, a relatively accurate quarterback. He's going to take a lot less risks than Daniel Jones does. But he just doesn't have that arm talent as an older quarterback, and he has never had that high-level arm talent uh, of like an elite quarterback. He's he's got an okay arm, so don't expect him to take a whole lot of shots downfield. Yeah, the Giants' offense will probably take on a little bit more of a West Coast cast to it. Like you said, a lot of quick passes, a lot trying to set up a lot of run after catch opportunities. Not to step on our own toes and peek ahead to the Seahawks game, but I would expect a lot of blitzing just because the Seahawks are starting to get some guys back healthy in their secondary, getting Jamal Adams back, uh, Shaquille Griffin back. So the Giants are going to want Colt McCoy to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible, get him as many safe passes as possible. But this is really going to be the Wayne Gallman show going forward. We've noticed that they're power running game really suits their offensive line a lot more than the outside zone schemes they were trying earlier in the season, particularly when Saquon Barkley and then Devonta Freeman were their starting running backs. So the, 
I think we're going to see a lot more of that between the tackles running a whole lot of Wayne Gallman, hoping that he can pick up as many yards after contact as he can, and then really more just throw when they have to. Right. I think that we're going to see a lot of first and second down rushing attempts from this offense, some play action sprinkled in here and there. Things are going to be simplified. And I think the the big thing on on Colt McCoy's impact, the positive we'll see is a lot less risks. Daniel Jones has been known to be a very risky decision maker in trying to force the ball into tight spots that maybe the ball wouldn't really fit. He's made some good plays that way, but it's also led to some turnovers. Colt McCoy's not really that guy. He's been around for a while. His goal is just to, is just going to be able to pick up a few yards if that's all that's given to him. Again, not a lot of shots. And then the other thing is the threat of of getting quarterback runs and scrambling is immediately taken out out of the equation with Colt McCoy. We saw him run in this game, and we know for a fact that he is not exactly an exemplary athlete, especially con- con- compared to what Daniel Jones has done um, as the starting quarterback for the Giants. He's been a good runner. That's been one of his best attributes. All that stuff is going to be completely gone, and, it- and that also will further impact the playbook. Yeah, and I think that will also impact opponents' playbooks. You know, I think you know, we've noticed opponents not getting as much edge rush over the last three, four games as they had previously in the year. And part of that is due to the offensive line getting a bit better. It is due to Daniel Jones getting rid of the ball quite a bit quicker over the last few games than they had previously. But also, teams have been playing a lot more contain on the outside. They're not trying to force Andrew Thomas or Cam Fleming to overset with speed to the outside. Instead, they're almost holding their blocks to try to keep Jones in the pocket and then more or less trying to trust their interior pressure to get to him, force a mistake, get him on the ground, force the ball to force him to throw the ball away, things like that. With Colt McCoy, we could see teams shifting gears and trying to unleash their edge rush more and try to rush with more speed around the edge now that they don't really have that running threat to worry about. Exactly. There's going to be a lot of key things that are going to be impacted by all of this, having Colt McCoy in. And again, there's a possibility that maybe Daniel Jones recovers super quickly and is able to go out there. But just based on what we've read, the various reports, doctor's input, our own personal experience, expect Colt McCoy to start. That's probably going to be what's happened, but don't be completely shocked if somehow Daniel Jones is suiting up on Sunday. We are going to transition to breaking down the film from this past week's game. Before we do so, folks, we will be right back after a very brief commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Chris, let's get into talking about this film, which was uh, a bit interesting to look at. I'm curious to see the All-22 because it doesn't come out as quickly as we'd love to, but just watching this game, there were some interesting takeaways seeing it a second time. And, And the first one that irked me a little bit is that it took us this long 
until week 12, and, and you're going to probably bring this up, multiple offensive coordinators for the Giants to finally use Evan Ingram the way that he was meant to be used. The play that I point to that is the proper usage, that is the way that we've been banging the table for, that we all know that he could be successful at, is, is splitting him out wide or putting him on the outside and allowing him just to run deep against smaller corners, slower defensive backs, and also linebackers. So in the first quarter, you might remember that huge play, that huge pickup he had in a bunch formation, and he just ran a straight go route against a, a DB, and he was faster than him, and he was bigger than him, so he was able to make a really good play on the ball. That is stuff that we know that Evan Ingram can create separation, so we need to stop seeing him running drag routes. Just let the dude run go routes. We saw it work multiple times in this game. I would really love to see Evan Ingram do this stuff more. And if you want to create more offensive success, keep running these route concepts. Just let him run deep. Yeah, that that is something I've been saying, uh, I think, three years now. Go, uh, going back to when the, this podcast first started with Dan Pizzuto, we were wondering why Pat Shermer just would not run Evan Ingram down the field, why he was just running these three and five yard routes across the field where he would have to make three defenders miss just to be able to turn upfield. And that's working against his strengths. Yeah. It, I think part of it is maybe a little, little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy from the giants where they are a conservative franchise. They don't really have a whole lot of interest in innovating. They stick with what they know and they have never really known hybrid tight ends it took them forever right up until the last game of his giants career to figure out how to use travis beckham and that game he wound up tearing his acl and that was basically the end of his football career and you know we kind of seen have seen the same arc with Evan Ingram, where they try to use him as a traditional tight end. They try to use him as a a safety valve, a safety blanket short, but really he should be using that 4-4 speed, that height-weight speed combination, and attacking seams, getting those mismatches, those things we know he can do. But for some reason, since his rookie season, they, nobody has just, or nobody has tried him with that right it's it's so disappointing that we had to wait until now to finally see his his actual proper usage and heck I I say you call four or five of those a game you let him run deep and I think that Colt McCoy needs to be keying on that because he's a guy who can create that separation as a tight end the other thing I'd like to bring up Chris is the level of riskiness we saw in Daniel Jones's throws and this gets washed out a little bit because Daniel Jones went down with the injury and then everybody's focus was shifted to other things. But if we're evaluating what Daniel Jones in the, did in the first three quarters, he was making a lot of really risky throws, like a lot of throws that were thrown into stupidly tight coverage. There were open guys in other parts of the field. That decision-making was almost very detrimental to the Giants offense. So I don't think that this game was a very good one for Daniel. I think that we saw some progression and a a safer approach over the last two games. 
And this third game here against the Bengals was a slight step back. I, I don't want to act like it's the end of the world, but he had a lot of plays that could have led to interceptions. Yeah, he really did. You know, we saw him be more careful with the ball. He had a lot of really short throws against Washington. Uh, he attacked further downfield, but very rarely threw into coverage against Philly. This past game, I think we did kind of see bad Daniel rear his head again. And I think I really think the difference in this game was the fact that the Bengals were just completely unable to take advantage of the opportunities Jones gave them. Rewatching the game, I charted about four or five throws that probably should have gone the other way, that should have been intercepted. There were three where Mackenzie Alexander was draped all over Golden Tate, Jones did that thing where he just stares his target down and led the DB right to him. But each time the ball would hit Alexander in the hands and then fall incomplete. And then there was that, you know, screenplay where I believe it was uh, a defensive lineman Bledsoe got his hand up. And then the rest of the defensive line forgot how to run a tip drill and just compl- none of them tracked the ball in the air. And then Colt McCoy, there were another two passes where he threw it right to the defender, uh, Davis Gaither, the rookie linebacker, he had one hit him in the hands and he just dropped it. So I think the Giants did kind of escape with one here. And it's something people don't really want to talk about in a win, but it's something we can't overlook because a better team, a better defense probably would have come off with those plays and this game would have turned out differently. Yeah, you can very well argue in a close two-point game, if any, if just one of those was picked off, this is a completely different outcome. And this is against a bad defense that they were they were able to take advantage of. He needs to keep cleaning that stuff up. And when he makes mistakes and when he plays well, we're going to highlight either thing. And this was one of those games where where DJ was making some some questionable decisions and some blatant mistakes. Now getting on to defense, and I really want to talk about Chris how the defensive line dominated in this game. I think that the Giants' defensive line is the reason why they won this game. The secondary made a lot of really good plays, but I was just watching all of the major plays where big things happened. They were getting some serious push. They were man-handling this Bengals' offensive line, and they didn't even really need a whole lot of additional help from blitzes or extra rushers. They were bullying them. I saw Leonard Williams make a lot of good plays, and that led to disruption on Brandon Allen. That also disrupted a ton of rushing plays. It completely thinned out their play calling. The performance by this Giants defensive line, I think, deserves more credit than it maybe it's getting right now. Yeah, definitely. I would like to see, still see them get pressure more quickly, uh, especially since the Bengals were running Bobby Hart out at right tackle. You know, that finally bit them, and I believe it was Carter Coughlin on the last play of the game. You know, he finally beat Bobby Hart, got pressure, that forced the sack fumble that basically ended the game. And it was really good to see the Giants' defensive line finally show up and play up to what we have always believe them to be capable of. Now, I, I would like to see them do it against a better offensive line, but right now, baby steps. You start by 
beating up on the bad competition and then, you know, maybe get some consistent push, some consistent disruption against some of the better offensive lines they might see later on in the season. So you brought up having some of these young guys in here, and this is where I want to wrap up the show with, with talking about how positive it is to see, and this was something we talked about at the beginning of the year, it's positive to see the young guys getting out there, the rookies getting onto the field for meaningful reps at the end of these games. Nico Lalos, of all people, who was an undrafted practice squad guy out of Dartmouth, was going out there. He he made a big play. Carter Coughlin was getting some more reps. Camp Brown was getting some pass rush reps. I know that they're not getting the lion's share of plays, but I think that that is a true testament to how well this Giants defense is developing right now, that they can go put these young players on the field and they can contribute. They can make plays. They can, you know, play their assignments. They can do a lot of of quality things. And that's what you need, not only for continued success this year, but to then translate the success into next year. Next year is a year, I think, and I I know I don't want to I don't want it to sound like I'm I'm already looking past this year and I don't think anything can come from this year. But next year is the year where the defense can possibly transcend, where it can go from being really good this year to being top five at multiple categories based on the talent they have. And the way that you get to that is these young players being able to step in and contribute as rotational players. If you have really good depth. That is how you can compete at a high level, is having very, very strong depth at every single position on defense. Yeah, now we don't want to start going off the rails on this and say, you know, all of these guys are going to be great contributors and the Giants are going to have the same kind of defense that the San Francisco 49ers have. But this is how the 49ers have been able to withstand the just barrage of injuries that they had earlier in the season. You know, we saw almost their entire team get wiped out just before they played the Giants at the start of the year. And it was that depth, having young guys who are able to step up and be contributors, if not you know, stars in their own right, just be able to step up, make plays, kind of hold the line that lets defenses play at a high level consistently. Right, that's that's the key thing here. We're, we're not implying that they're going to turn into key starters, but I really like to see these later round guys become players that can work in with specific sub packages when you want players for very specific things, which we know Patrick Graham likes to get creative with his personnel. He likes to get creative with how he lines up his defense. You want guys that can fill various roles. You're going to have your starters that are good at a lot of things and can play most of the reps, but you want those depth pieces to wear multiple to wear specific hats. You want them to be the have have a niche in your lineup. You want to have those guys that if it's third and long, you go and call on on somebody like Cam Brown as a pass rush specialist. If it's if it's third and short, you want to be able to call on somebody that's a little bit more stout against the run. That's exactly what they need uh, from these young players going forward, which we're already starting to get some slight glimpses of. Yeah, the you know we did see Cam Brown force a holding call. We saw Car- uh, Carter Coughlin create pressure that led to Jamal Sheard's sack. You know, this, t- this defense does still need some pieces. They need to be very smart this offseason. In fact, the, the whole t- – yeah. 
in fact, the Giants are going to have to be very smart about how they construct their team going into 2021 just because the salary cap is going to contract. There's going to be less money available for signing free agents, which is also going to mean re-signing some of their own players could be more difficult than they would like. But at least having those young guys there, that'll give them a bit of a cushion. Hopefully someone will step up, make take a step forward in their second year and maybe increase the Giants' margin for error if they can't get that ace pass rusher we've been hoping they've been able to get. If they can't get standout linebacker or a shutdown corner to go across from James Bradbury, you know, having young guys develop will help give the Giants more of a cushion as they build out over the next few years. All right, folks, that is going to be it from us here on the Chris and Joe Show, our film breakdown episode. We're going to have another show coming for you on Thursday. As we do, we will do our full film prep for the Seattle Seahawks so you know everything you need to know about the upcoming opponent this Sunday. Be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at RaptorMKII, and also at BigBlueView on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button if you enjoy the show to stay up to date on everything um, that is related to Big Blue View and our podcasting network. Uh, Lastly, head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. 